Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with another episode of the Thriving Farmer Podcast. And today I'm joined by Woody D. Lauder, who along with his wife, Janine, and son, Arlo, own Rootbound Farms, LLC. Their farm is a sustainable, biodiverse, no-till, back-to-Eden suburban farm located in Southern Maryland. We pride ourselves in growing in-season vegetables, making cold processed soaps, and making other sustainable goods for our local community. They sell online, they deliver, and also sell at their local farmer's market from April through November. They also have a YouTube channel, which serves as a video diary and for informational purposes. They grow on a total of about 5,000 square feet and a lot that is around three quarters of an acre. They are firm believers that farms do not need to be huge to be profitable. Welcome to the podcast, Woody. Well, thank you so much for having me. Definitely appreciate it, Michael. All right. So what is your YouTube channel? Because I know folks are going to be interested in that. So if you go to YouTube and you just type in Rootbound Farms on the search um, engine, it takes you right to it. Um, Perfect. Yeah, the link is not so um, so clear. It's 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 uh, YouTube slash uh, W Delauder. So it doesn't. The yeah. name is not for our farm. So. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So how did you get started? Oh, good question. So um, it's kind of a long story. I'll do kind of the abridged story to it. Um, when I turned thirty years old. Um, I was uh, tipping the scale at about 400 pounds and, um, I know I needed to, uh, you know, either change my lifestyle or, um, I was not going to be living you know, much longer, you know? So, um, I started doing a lot of research and I researched, uh, you know, the best, uh, healthiest way to lose weight and be healthy. You know, I didn't want to do any kind of crash diets. So, um, ever, all the research that I found, uh, talked about eating whole foods, and, you know, the least amount of processed foods as possible. So, um, you know, I researched which foods were um, uh, nutrient dense, uh, which uh, elevated your metabolism. And I stuck to basically those foods, which led me to starting to grow my own foods, because once I was getting all these vegetables from the grocery store, I said, you know, why, why not just try to grow them myself? So yeah. I, I started dabbling here and there and growing. Um, and then once uh, I married my wife nine years ago, we bought a house. Uh, we started a small little time, you know, 10 foot by 30 foot garden growing our own vegetables. And uh, like I said, a long story short, that ended up um, us having a, a bountiful amount of vegetables. <laughs> and we started selling them right out of our front yard to our uh, our community that we live in. And um, it's gone from that to now we sell at the local farmer's market. Uh, it is transformed to everything you can possibly imagine from now we do cold processed soaps which is are a huge hit locally mm -hmm. um we've um expanded to fermenting kimchi and kombucha we don't sell the kombucha but we do we we sold the kimchi for a while until we found out that uh it's highly regulated anything fermented in maryland is uh Ooh. highly regulated so so we're actually in the process we've already gotten it, the ph tested and we're in the process of getting certified to sell our uh kimchi Gotcha. Um, but it's, you know, it's gone from that um, to now we're selling, um, you know, all of our vegetables at the local farmer's market, uh, soaps, uh, room sprays. We, we have about even hot sauces. We're, we're doing a, a, about as much as you can possibly do with our three quarters of an acre that we live on. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So you started with your backyard um, and your front yard. Did you pick your property because of the soil type or did you buy a house and said, oh, we're just going to plant what's here? No, we actually fell into the house. The The former owner was at, uh, one of my middle school PE teachers and uh, we wrote a letter to her um, and kind of uh, <laughs> gave her an offer and the offer was it was the housing market at that time she just wanted to sell so um we gave her an offer and we couldn't it was too much of a house for us we just took a took a gamble uh, we didn't buy the house at all with farming in mind uh, it was okay. it was starting a family in mind we mm-hmm. i mean if you saw where we live we live in a planned community that was built in 1978 so it's it, houses not on top of each other but each house has about three quarters of an acre to an acre mm-hmm. and um you know it was just starting a family and um me and my wife are both teachers so you know we the farming and and selling things nine years ago when we first started didn't even come into play we're first generation farmers Mm. wow all right and i'm looking at pictures here and kind of i can see that you got some big trees and such which must be a little bit challenging with the shade um all right so you started that way and then you started growing and when did farmers markets come into play so we have a local farmer's market that kind of, um, and a couple local businesses that we've become friendly with. Um, there, there's a local coffee ro- uh, coffee bean roaster. And um, I started becoming, we started buying coffee from him. And, and he said, you know, uh, you should start at the farmer's market. I started with microgreens because we were growing inside. And mm-hmm. uh, it was literally microgreens and kimchi how I started out. Uh, I, did, I wasn't so much selling our tomatoes or cucumbers or lettuces or greens or things from our backyard yet. But it started that way, and then it just blossomed from there. We just started offering everything. But the farmer's market started about four years ago, and we've been a member of that local La Plata farmer's market for uh, each summer since. Okay. All right. All right. So then you started selling this. You started the kimchi. Now, mm-hmm. uh, were you making, growing the, the ingredients yourself, or were you buying those <laughs> in and just doing the... Well, it started out as a plan to grow everything ourselves and, and put mm-hmm. it in the kimchi, um, but it... it the kimchi kind of took on, on a mind of its own to the point of um, we haven't kept track completely, uh, but we, we have sold thousands and thousands of kimchis. And, and the only reason I know that is because we order our labels in bulk uh, orders of a thousand okay. and we've gone, we've gone through three or four orders. So, <laughs> so we, we've sold for, for being a small business like we are and selling, uh, you know, especially when it wasn't 100% legal to sell it. Yeah. Uh, we, we have sold a ton of kimchi um, and we've eaten a ton of kimchi too, yeah. but yeah, yeah, we, 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 we get some of the ingredients from our farm, but very, we, there would be no way we could grow that much Napa cabbage. It, it would be physically impossible that yeah. we, I mean, we, we're buying uh, five bushels at a time. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, you know, it, 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 it's a lot. Yeah, exactly. Now, do you have different types of uh, the kimchi or is it just one recipe? So we started out uh, just with country style kimchi with the Napa cabbage and daikon radish and, you know, onions, garlic, ginger. We ended up getting into a white kimchi as well, but it wasn't so popular, which it's basically the same recipe without the, the hot peppers. Uh, gotcha. so a lot, yeah. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of people wanted it without the spice, but we, we, um, we found that most people that are our loyal customers do want the spice. Now, what makes our kimchi different is it is vegan. We do not use any fish sauce. So uh-huh. it, it attracts a lot more people that are into health because I find a lot of people that are into health also um, not around here, they tend to be vegan. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you got the kimchi and you're now let's talk about the soaps a little bit. Tell us about how that got started. 
Okay, yeah, the soap, uh, like I said, took on a mind of its own. It started out, uh, if you were to talk to my wife, she she um, she would tell you that I'm a, a man of many ideas. And almost every... <laughs> almost every idea that I come up with, I actually go through with. So it's not like it's just an idea and then, you know, <laughs> and then it, and it falls yeah. by the wayside. But um, yeah, my idea was we're buying all this natural soap for $7 a bar. I started researching how we could start making our own soap, all natural soap, and make it as simple as possible without um, paying $7 a bar. So I looked into it and I said, you know what? We have a pretty good source of coconut oil. We can we can um, buy coconut oil and let's just keep it simple and just make soap with coconut oil, sodium hydroxide, and distilled water, and and then add any kind of essential oils that we'd like to. Well, that has now blossomed to now we have 19 different varieties of our soap, and we have a beard bar, we have a, a shampoo bar. Uh, we have everything from lavender spearmint to orange lemongrass ginger to eucalyptus with activated charcoal. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about it is we we keep it as simple as possible. The, the we sell the soap with just the bar. We we don't label it. Um, you know, we, we try to keep down the waste and we can keep the cost down, you know. So instead of people buying a seven dollar all natural bar of soap, we, we our price point is five dollars. So it, it, oh, that's good. Yeah, it, it helps out. And we also run deals all the time. I always have an ongoing deal for 10, 10 for 40. So we drop it down to four dollars a bar if you buy 10 bars. Gotcha. Just moving the volume. Gotcha. Yep. Oh, yeah. Now, is that done in your home kitchen? It is done. Everything's done in our house. We have a split foyer house and we are not, we are downstairs. It's our laundry room uh, doubles as our soap making room, if you could imagine, and selling thousands of bars of soap too. I mean, we're making every, every batch of soap is 40 bars. Uh, we have the pot, we have the capability of making about uh, three to five batches a day. So okay. that's, you know, we're not, we're not doing that, but we're, we probably average three to five batches a week. So uh, we're, we're selling a good amount of soap. Uh, we haven't gotten the online business um, all the way going, going all the way. I'm kind of nervous about yeah. taking that on um, because I'm, I'm afraid of getting, uh, <laughs> getting overrun with orders and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and we wouldn't be able to make it fast enough. So. All right. So let's talk about that soap a little bit. Cause I'm interested is uh, it's just a cold process. Yes. 100% cold process. And I've actually have, I think I have three or four YouTube videos um, that I've posted about how we, you know, the process of making it. And All right. So we can send folks there. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cause I was just thinking that that actually might be a fun weekend thing for me and the kids. Oh, you would love it, man. I've, I've, yeah. I've even, me being a teacher, I've even thought of, well, we're kind of, we're sort of virtual now, so it's kind of hard to do, but uh, I even thought about bringing it into my students and, 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 and having them work on it, but it, <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit tough cause it can be dangerous. So yeah. It can be dangerous. So you just, yeah, you just gotta have an adult managing the whole process Yeah, and goggles and gloves and all that good stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll check that out. Cause I think that would be fun. We try to Sunday is like a family day. So oh, yeah. we don't do anything on Sunday. I mean, like if I need to go get a part, the kids and I'll go ride together and get it. So that's something yep. we'll do. We can do together as a family, but we try not to, you know, out in the field working on stuff or in the office. So yes. yeah. All right. Very cool. All right. So now you're, you're growing things on your own property. Um, you're selling at the farmer's market. Now are people still coming to your house and buying things? No, uh, actually they're not. Uh, I don't, we had a little bit of a, um, oh gosh, a few weeks ago I started, uh, we were trying to expand our farm and I, and I actually turned half of our front yard into, uh, more, uh, 40, 40 foot beds. And we were going to okay. grow all, all of our greens in our front yard. And, and we, uh, 
we came across um, some older gentlemen in the neighborhood that that didn't really like it too much that we were deciding to, you know, put some trellises and grow snap peas up the trellises. And then we, you know, we had the rows of vegetables that we started growing. So they com they complained to the town and, um, you know, it, it, it's a little bit of a setback. Uh, we ended up trying to keep the peace. So we we put grass back out in our front yard. Uh, we didn't have to. Uh, we were told by the town that we could grow whatever we wanted to out there. Uh, it would just uh, be a matter of some of our neighbors being upset with us. <laughs> So, um, but it was pretty bad at first with a, a long lawyer note written to us, but um, long story short, again, it was because we were selling out of our house on Saturdays and we, and we're zoned, uh, res we're zoned residential. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was only started because of COVID. Uh, <clears throat> when the, when the virus hit last year in March, you know, we, uh, we were sent home from our teaching jobs and we went uh, all out with the farm. Like, gotcha. I, I mean, we, we, we pumped out greens. Like I, we were on our, I mean, I, I know that it sounds hard to believe, but we were some weeks we were doing 70 to hundred pounds of lettuce and, and greens, Swiss chard, kale. We were pumping out almost hundred pounds a week. That's um, amazing. And that was almost all through pre-orders. So that was another thing. I set up the website at that point in time when COVID hit, it just so happened to come together and we set up pre-orders and people, I mean, Oh, gosh, we had lines. We had lines coming in, in our residential neighborhood, lines of cars. And of course, everyone had to keep their distance. And yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but that um, that that's where it went, man. Um, we're not selling from home anymore because, uh, you know, we're zoned residential. But it, it, it is good. It is, the market that we have, we have a we have a large following locally. And um, mm -hmm. And well, we you're have incredibly our... active on social media, I think. Oh, and yes. You, and you've really, and so one of the really cool things is because I follow your social media is that you're really good at engaging people on there and making them feel it's more their farm. As well, yes. I mean, you're the people managing it, but it's your their farm. So oh, yeah. they really get involved, and that has that obviously built that massive swell of support. Yes. And we, we, we've offered farm tours. And um, I mean, small, when I say farm tours, we're not, uh, you know, Polyface farm <laughs> having yeah. people, you know, but but it's our farm tours. We've had we've had uh, 15 people out at one point in time, nice. you know, and me giving them a, a little farm tour of my 4000 square feet in the back that I'm growing on. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's cool how we have everything work out. You know, I, I have a I have a hoop house where we we grow things where I, you know, I, we grow crops that I need to control the the rain and, you know, and then we have our nursery greenhouse. We have, we make our own compost. It, we have 10 chickens. I mean, I could go on and on all in our little tiny backyard. We, we maintain all of that. Mm -hmm. All right. So you got chickens. So that's legal in your town. Yeah. So uh, we had to fill out a free permit. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. And we, yeah. and then we have not started selling legally the eggs with that's another permit we have to get through, oh I gosh. guess the state of Maryland, you know, permit, yeah. permit, it's always permits. Yeah. Uh, try, <laughs> try to try to still stifle, you know, free enterprise. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, it's interesting. Cause I, I get a lot of, we have, I have friends on all sides of every single aisle there is out there. And yes, me too. <laughs> and you get a lot of people that say, you know, you know, um, capitalism is bad and, you know, we need to go back to more, some, some other sort of systems. Yeah. But the problem is we don't have capitalism in the U S we have a form of cronyism where you have a very specific number of players in the marketplace and they have friends that they play with pay through lobbying to make laws that benefit them and keep out all the competition. Yes. And that works locally too. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I could tell you about a, um, the, the coffee bean roaster, um, 
guy that I'm really good friends with locally. He is his, he's just bought a brick and mortar. I mean, and his coffee is amazing. He roasts it right there. And he is about a hundred or 200 yards away from a Starbucks. And it just so happens that the mayor of our town is best friends with the, the person that <laughs> is the owner of that franchise of Starbucks. So, and it, she has made it, um, she has made it very tough for him uh. to have that for, for him to have that brick and mortar. Let's just say. Yeah. All right. So let's dive back into that, uh, that cease and desist letter or the lawyer letter. So you, so here's the, this, cause I, that's what I reached out to you about the podcast. I said, let's yeah. chat about this because I I'm right now an urban farm. We're eight acres in city limits. We're fighting vigorously, not fighting. Cause my friend Andre said, Michael, if you use the word fighting, it's going to hurt, you know, it's going to cause angst. They say we're, <laughs> we're in discussions, you know, we are working through this with the city is where we are right now. There you go. Um, yep. And so, you know, shout out to Andre because he's a great friend. And it's really, you know, he's, he's given me a lot of support through the years. Um, but back to, you know, so that's, you know, near and dear to my heart is farms in urban environments because our people don't know where their food comes from. And they are literally, you know, they have no idea. So this is so important, but so many cities and towns are making it very difficult um, like they want us to do a $17,000 parking lot, which that's great. But <laughs> there's, yeah. You know, anyway, yeah, we, we, that's another discussion. All right. So oh, yeah. you started tilling up your front yard. He complained to the city. The city sent you a legal letter. And yes. what was the, what was the gist of that? So, um, it was a, ra it, oh gosh, the, the letter was three pages. It was lawyer talk, obviously, but the gist of the letter was, um, you have to cease all aspects of your business, uh, or else we're going to revoke your farmer's market privileges. We're going to, and I, and that was one of the confusing parts Whoa. of it was like, one of the most confusing parts was they were telling me I wasn't allowed to have a farm anymore yet. They were also telling me if I didn't, I couldn't go to the farmer's market. And I felt like saying, well, I guess I just show up with my soap. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. so, so it was, they even threatened, they even threatened our, um, the lien against our house. I mean, they, they were talking about, they, they, they said, How so many, do that? I, I have no clue. So this is what I did. I, um, well, first of all, I reached out to social media, which, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that post, if, if there was something that I did that went viral that you could say that was viral. Um, I believe the post reached like 80,000 people, which was Dang. is pretty good for yeah. our small community. Yeah. Um, yeah. And immediately the, the town manager uh, called me the next day, the next morning and, and apologized actually. And she said that we could keep our business here. And I said, well, that's not what the letter said. I said, yeah. you know, it said that I needed to end the business and I needed to stop it. But once again, long story short, she um, basically said, oh, I just can't sell from the house. And I said, well, that would have been, a, that would have been an easy phone call for you to make. Yes. That you know, and, and, yes. and not to mention is, is I, I've been a business in this town for four or five years. They know who I am. The mayor knows who I am. They, yeah. they've bought things from me from the market before they know that I had the farm here. They didn't have to do that. You know, they didn't have to get their lawyer to, so, basically the guy one of the guys that complained that lives in our neighborhood was the former mayor yep of our town and mm -hmm. that that i guess you know he pulled his he pulled his mayor strings um from long ago and and talked to the lawyer and had the lawyer write me a letter so yeah so again this is and so i think a couple points out of this is one people say there's you know everyone treats you fairly everyone's you know it's all happy one good happy family and i'm like no it's not mm -mm. 
unfortunately, small towns can, and again, we live in a very small town and because of who I am and what we're trying to do, I know way too much now about the inside of our town workings and the 20, you know, 30 year history of how everything goes back and who said what to who at, mm -hmm. at certain, and yeah, and who hates who and all this stuff. It's incredibly, uh, again, I'm not saying every town, but it can be yes. incredibly divisive and you have camps. And so you have to know where to play and what to work on and, and who to talk to. So I think that's the first thing is that there is going to be, it's, it's politics and there's a minefield yes. and you need to, after you're trying to do urban farming in a small town, you need to know that. Uh -huh. I think the second thing then is <laughs> they are afraid of the constituents because the constituents vote. So do what you did and what we just did too, is we went to social media and we have mm -hmm. a, and uh, just, you know, let them know. And again, don't be unfair, but let them know exactly what's going on. And I think three, they will, they, they may come around. Yeah. The, um, you know, that, that social media aspect of it and, and what, you know, it's one of those things, me and my wife, we really, really live our life. Um, everything about our life is we don't want to burn bridges we're very yeah. empathetic we're, we're kind to everybody we try and we believe in karma like you wouldn't believe mm -hmm. um like to the point where and, and this is kind of off on a side uh, note but we bought uh, a big order from a, a nursery greenhouse store the other day and when it came there was double like like not double but like things we didn't order but i was thinking to myself mm -hmm. we could we could use those things <laughs> yeah. but but to, i have not called them yet but i'm gonna i have to call them back and i have to say i'm gonna tell them look i would like to keep the things that you sent me extra but i'd like to pay for them <laughs> like because because yeah. i believe we believe big in karma like if if we you know if if we do one little thing wrong we believe somehow it's going to come back around to us and, you know, it's one of those things where I'm not trying to bash the town. I'm really not. This town is this town and this area around here is is part of our livelihood, even though I, I, I'm a teacher and I still make money from that. You know, I'm bringing in um, income from teaching as well. But this farm has has created just, uh, you know, more than I make uh -huh. teaching now. and I've been teaching 18 years. So this farm is is. And, and I don't even have a business background. Like I said, I'm, I'm um, a first generation farmer um, without a business background and, and I'm making it work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Thriving Farmers, have you checked us out on YouTube lately? We have a bunch of new content there, including a few rants by me. I uh, want to tell you, you don't want to miss them. Um, I actually go rant about you know some of the problems I see in our space and some of the challenges I see farmers uh, facing. So go check that out. We've got instructional videos over there as well. Talk about setting up our new farm here in Ohio and all the steps we're going to do that, as well as just tutorials and tips on best practices for all sorts of things on the farm. So go ahead, check over at Growing Farmers on YouTube and see the new content we put together for you. And I think another thing too is one of the things that I've learned too, because again, the, the process that we're doing is every single uh, rule mm -hmm. is a, usually has been set up for some reason from somebody doing something wrong before. <laughs> or copied from standard code from the state or can be broken. Yes. And sometimes all of the above. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because in our town, in our town, we're not allowed to have gravel driveways. <laughs> it's illegal for even like a residential to have a gravel driveway. Now, uh, 
a year ago or two years ago, the school, our school system put in a new gravel driveway and they have told the town, make me turn it to blacktop because we're the school, we can do what we want. Um, and, and yeah, there's, yeah, so there's all sorts of things. It all comes back to if you can give a, a reason for that you should be an exemption or have the, you know, the, the, the change or if you know the right people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you on that. And what got us through over the last year from selling from our house was COVID. They yes. were, they, they were looking the other way. She, and the town manager told me that she said, we know that you've been selling every Saturday. We, you've had lines going down the road. Mm-hmm. Our town police have been coming by, you know, yeah. just to, to keep yeah. the peace. Um, but, you know, but, but and, and I understood, but like I said, it, it could have come down to a phone call. Uh, yes. We didn't need We didn't need a, we didn't need a, a long letter written, from a lawyer, you know, it, it could have just been, hey, can you can you please stop selling from the house now that the market's starting back up? Yeah, and and but you also know that again for the lawyer, it's billable hours, so they're going to oh, yeah. put every single hour they can. Yes. Um, but uh, and again, I hate to be as cynical about this as <laughs> I come across, but I'm you know I'm well into this myself. And oh, I know <laughs> you're you're. I feel like you're dealing on a, on a larger scale. You're dealing with a lot of the same stuff I'm dealing with. So. Yeah, it's getting very expensive. <laughs> yeah, so, I, gu- I guarantee. I guarantee. Yeah, hopefully that we can get that solved. All right. So you're marketing. So you you're you're at the market. You're pushing out there. What are the things you try to communicate when you're putting out your marketing? Because I, I see you guys do a fabulous job with that. Yeah. So um, it was really cool when we first started the market, and <laughs> we don't have time for it now. But like literally, when we first started the market, I would have I would bring our iPad and set it up and have like a an ongoing picture show of like our farm and our farming practices. And so what we don't do that anymore because it's just not feasible to have that (laughs) anymore at the market because we're too busy, you know, talking to customers and and, and selling things to customers. Um, However, one thing that I try to convey to them is, and they, most of them know because they follow us on social media is our farming practices and knowing who you're buying. You know, I always say, know your, try to know your farmer. Uh, because, uh, you know, that's one of those things, like a lot of times people go to the grocery store, they have no clue where that pound bag of baby spinach is coming from or what practices they grew it with. Was it hydroponic? Was it grown out of the soil? Was it grown with um, a chicken manure? Was it grown with, you know, it's no clue how it was grown, mm-hmm. even though it may say organic on it. So uh, my, my one of my, you know, one uh, something I'm trying to convey to the customers all the time is you can talk to me about where I'm buying my seed from. I know exactly what happens to that seed from the time I plant it in the ground till it sprouts, till I cut it, wash it, bag it, and sell it to you. And, or, you know, it is very rarely will I ever buy a plant start. Uh, that's another thing I like to pride myself on is buying our seeds from four or five locations instead of, you know, mm-hmm. not not buying plant starts. I try as hard as I can. I try to start everything from seed. It's, I mean, economically it's more feasible, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I tell my wife, I'm like, all these seeds right here that we spent five dollars on will make us uh, four hundred dollars. You know, exactly. She's like, that, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, so that that's one thing I'm trying to convey is is to know your farmer, know that we're a small farm. We put everything we possibly can into the growing and making of our soap, uh, kimchi, all that good stuff because we use it ourselves. You know, we mm-hmm. we eat more kimchi than any of our customers. We use our soap every day, obviously. Um, and I'm cutting, I'm cutting down veggies from my backyard every morning for my smoothie, you know? <laughs> so you live the lifestyle that you um, aspire for your customers and use the products. And so you're your own best customer. So you can constantly be talking about it. 
Yes. And, and one, one, you know, you, you don't have to BS, you know, when, when you know what you're doing and how you're doing it, you know, there's no, there's no BS about it. I could probably talk, we could talk for probably five or six hours and and not talk about the same thing. Well, it's kind of like, unlike me and tomatoes, since I don't like tomatoes and I try to sell (laughs) tomatoes to people. I'm like, well, I don't know. I think this one's more smoky than the other. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, it's funny you say something about tomatoes because we have for years tried to grow those gigantic, big slicing (laughs) um, heirloom tomatoes. And we, and we have, however, we decided this year that it's just not feasible for us because we, we grew uh, what four rows that were 20 feet long. Uh, We trellised them up. We, you know, hard prune them but we would get five or six tomatoes per plant and the amount of work that we were putting into growing those tomatoes and for the what uh four or five hundred tomatoes we probably sold at the market or ate you know that we grew each year it wasn't worth it so this year we're we're only selling different cherry tomatoes we're doing it because they grow like wild here so we're yeah we're staying away from the big the big heirloom slicers do you think that's partly because of the shade problems you have? Because you're in Maryland, but you get plenty of sun. Oh, we get plenty of sun, but we and, and our backyard faces south too. So huh. we 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 are in a good situation. It um, I'm not quite sure. And I've tried everything. I've tried not hard pruning. I've tried growing. Um, you know, I've tried different nutrients. I tried spacing them apart more and mm-hmm. less. Um, I've tried it all. I've tried not trellising them. Uh, I think it it has to do with probably limited sun. Uh And then there was a few years where we had too much rain, which completely devastated our tomatoes. Um, But that's why I I do one row going down our hoop house. Now, when I say hoop house, it is literally 12 by 20. It's not, we're not, we're not talking a a hundred foot hoop house. You know, it's, it's, it's a very, very small, it's a homemade PVC hoop house. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, cause like four to five pounds is what you should get on your first, cluster for tomatoes so and and i'm sure you've done determinate and indeterminate yes and our our, one of our biggest crops was when we did we grew a a 20 uh 30 foot row of roma tomatoes yeah and and they were they were determinate and we i mean we must have harvested two or three hundred pounds off of that row that that summer yeah um but since then we've kind of stuck to indeterminates it could be a soil problem as well i might we might not have what i need to have in the soil uh, we that's one thing that I'm that I should be doing that I have not done since we've been building our soil. I have not had our soil tested. Oh gosh, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well well here's the thing. We've been when we moved into this house, the backyard was literally like hard pan or clay. Mm-hmm. And since we've been adding wood chips and mushroom compost and all the nutrients, we have like 18 inches now down where where you know when I put the broad fork in and I and mm-hmm. I pull it up there's 18 inches of just dark black soil. So that's amazing. You know, it's, we have, I think it's nitrogen rich and there's a lot of life in the soil. It just might be missing something toward the end. And I think you're, you might hit the nail on the head when you said sunlight, because some of the areas will grow tomatoes a lot better than other areas. And it might be the sunlight. Yeah. So a couple of things, obviously we love to test soil once or like twice a year. Yeah. Um, so we'll do it as frequently as twice a year in our tunnels. And we probably will this year because especially we're changing things so rapidly. Um, mm-hmm. So I would do a soil test. It sounds like you're doing great on your, your journey of the, the high fertility slash high um, organic matter. That sounds amazing that you have that right. depth. Um, I would be interested in, it sounds like your other crops are growing well. It's just, your oh, yeah. so to me, it would be your sun problem. What about peppers for you? 
peppers are <laughs> that's it i'm glad you asked that are, are literally impossible for us to grow okay um, well, no I'm, so so hot peppers yes we we yeah. grew a ton of, so we make our own hot sauce and we grew a ton of habaneros ghost peppers and jalapenos last year so Interesting. but like if we try to grow bell peppers of any color green peppers can grow but any color right red yellow any other bell pepper of any color no it they don't first of all they leaf out become gorgeous green plants they'll get peppers on them um but so so the long once again long story short uh, the, we we don't have much of a market for people wanting peppers so we kind of started going away from peppers except for hot mm -hmm. peppers mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I would think it's uh, hot peppers usually like the heat. Yes. And uh, yeah, so I, I can't diagnose it. I would be very interested if you did a light meter or figured out how many hours of light you actually get on some of those areas. That might be your limiting factor. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. Yeah, on that. But uh, yeah. All right. So then, okay, you're adding the wood chips. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I, I talk about your soil fertility because you've done that rapidly, changed that. Um, are you actually adding the wood chips to the actual beds or is it just paths? So we've done a bunch of everything. Um, our, we like to call it our earth garden. Our earth garden is where we grow right in the soil. We, that's the main area that we've built up the most. We mm -hmm. started, we started by just tilling. So we tilled, what was it? Uh, it was, we started it five years ago and we tilled the whole area. Um, mm -hmm. Actually rented a skid steer and transformed the backyard the first year. And then um, I tilled up everything. Then we added um, wood chips and mushroom compost. Mm -hmm. Then we then we rode it up. I, I do 36 inch. Um, my, our beds are 36 inches wide by 35 feet long. Okay. Um, so we we go a little wider with the beds, and our and and in between the beds is 12 inches. So we try to make the most out of our space. But so it's just been years of constant wood chips and mushroom compost and every now and again we'll blood meal or bone meal mm -hmm. uh, you know depending upon what crop is in uh, but it it has just been the addition of wood chips and mushroom compost so we have a really good source of mushroom compost that um, um a local guy down here who does woodworking takes his tractor trailer loads of um sawdust and wood chips up to pennsylvania uh -huh. and then brings back loads of organic mushroom compost from the mushroom farms up in Pennsylvania. So oh, that's a good connection. Yeah. And every year he brings me a dump truck of mushroom yeah. compost. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that, a, that's another thing right now, like mushroom compost. If you're trying to get any in, it's like a six or 12 week waiting period because oh they don't have enough drivers. I, cause I, yeah. I, I've been waiting for a load since February, which is crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he want this last time. He wanted to know if I wanted a a tractor trailer full of it, and I said, um, no. I said, there's no way. <laughs> I said, just bring your your normal dump. I mean, it's still 15 yards. Yeah. It's, I mean, for my small little area back here, 15 yards is plenty. I still have a little bit of a pile, so. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and then, so then, and with the wood chips, you haven't had any problems with the nitrogen, or you just add the blood meal, and that helps. Yes. Yeah. That's a, the, the blood meal seems to give all of our greens a nice boost. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and oh, when I said we add um, wood chips, we have not for the last three years been adding wood chips to our beds. Okay. We only add, yeah, we're only adding the wood chips to, to our walkways, you okay. know, to keep down the mud and things like that. And it's unbelievable how fast they break down these mm -hmm. wood chips. I mean, they, they, every year our, our walkways are wood chips. And by the next spring, 
it's dirt again. <laughs> like, like it literally, we have to wood chip it again. So, um, so we have not been adding wood chips to the bed area. Now um, we have been creating and making more space. And the way we've done that is uh, what I, I believe it's called the lasagna method where you, uh -huh. yeah. So we've been putting uh, cardboard down wood chip about uh, thick, thick wood chips. Cause we had a lot. Um, we you know, put eight to 12 inches of wood chips down and then we would put the mushroom compost on top of that for the bed. So that's how we actually started three or four of our beds this year and they're and they're growing greens like i mean they're just sprouting now but uh they're growing mm -hmm. great right now all right so favorite farm tool <laughs> i would say broad fork however that might change to the quick cut greens harvester once i start breaking that out mm -hmm. this year so the okay. yeah the, the broad fork right now has completely changed i've had it for three years it's completely changed our soil composition just by I, I was well it changed the time that it took i was broad forking with a digging fork for two seasons oh, oh yeah. yeah and yeah there. so yeah so i you know like i said i started off you know it's and i'm slowly getting these tools as i as i go but we just purchased the quick cut greens harvester and i mean i harvested a 35 foot bed in a like a minute and a half or two minutes oh, it was yeah. Like, yeah it would it would have taken me an hour last year yeah, it makes growing it, even like microgreens. Um, Ray Tyler does that with microgreens yep. and we harvested, oh gosh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 pounds of microgreens in literally 15 minutes. It's, a, it's so amazing. It's yeah. so amazing. Yeah. And you, you know, it's sharp. My son, my son Arlo was playing around with it the other. I said, no, no, no. Yes, that blade is, that blade is like a razor blade, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we've got ours hung up um, where the kids cannot get anywhere close. Yes. To. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, and people, where can people find you? Again, it's Rootbound Farms on Facebook. Yeah, we're Rootbound Farms on Facebook. It's also on Instagram. Now, there is a Rootbound Farm in Kentucky. We have an S at the end, so it's Rootbound Farms. Yeah. Um, and um, you, you can find our website, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it, Woody. Anything else that you'd like to share before we go? No, I just really appreciate you having me on here, and um. um you know, I look forward to uh, talking to you in the future. All right. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks. Time. Appreciate it, man. All right. Bye-bye. So there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.